It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. So glad you could tune in. Jeff Fiegels, Paul Dottino alongside Lance Meadow here as we are with you for the next 60 minutes. Multiple ways for you to interact with us here on the program. 201-939-4513. That is option number one. You can also use hashtag GiantsChat on Twitter. And a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So the Giants get their first victory of the season. They rally past the Saints 27-21 in overtime. Saquon Barkley with the game-winning six-yard rushing score. They were down by 11 in the fourth quarter. They get off the schneid. The three of us broke down the game in great detail on the Giants Radio Network postgame show as well as the Giants Huddle Podcast. You can listen to the full version of the Giants Huddle Podcast on Giants.com as well as the mobile app, and you can subscribe. So if you want a full breakdown, we suggest you go there. We'll give you our layout of the land, but we want to get to at least as many phone calls as possible over the course of the program at 201-939-4513. Guys, in terms of piggybacking off of our conversation that we had yesterday, one of the things that I want to throw out as I was crunching the numbers a little bit more closely, I think one of the biggest differences between yesterday versus what transpired in the first three games, but more so in terms of what happened in the previous two, was the ability for the Giants to overcome negative plays and to avoid the negative plays. So they had just three penalties all on offense yesterday, one negative run in comparison, 19 penalties, eight negative runs in the previous two games. And while there were a lot of other factors that ignited the rally, Jeff, Mm -hmm. I think that to me is something that I think is important to highlight because – Previous games, they were not putting that on the back burner and dismissing that and moving on. It usually came back to bite them and haunt them, and then they would never regroup or recover. Yeah, I mean, it's it's improvement. And I think that, you know, going into the week last week, I think that this is what the coaches were preaching, that, guys, listen, we're in every one of these games – and we're just basically making mistakes that are losing them. And that, those are those dumb penalties that we've had. So, um, and, and it's the, not the amount of them, as we talked about. It's the, it's the importance of, of which one hurts you. Now, yesterday, the three penalties, none of them, none of them were um, assessed where there was a first down. So that was a good thing, if there was sure. a good thing about a penalty. But to, to your point, Lance, is that this team is not good enough to be able to overcome those types of self-inflicted wounds um, and be able to go and win games on the road, let alone at home. So the recipe for success when you go on the road, we talk about it all the time, eliminate the turnovers and penalties. Well, that's what they did yesterday. Other than the one uh, interception that they threw down at the end of the half, we don't really count that. It didn't really matter. Uh, They executed that type of the game plan. So, and, And by the way, we talked a lot about the first down and then all of a sudden a penalty gets you getting to maybe first and 20 it could be first and 15 or you get a negative run by three and now you're at second and 13 the whole play calling goes crazy so yes it's 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 a good breakdown by you and the fact is that it worked negative plays just don't help your offense at all 
especially when you take into consideration Colin Johnson, illegal substitution, Saquon Barkley fumbles both on that game-winning overtime drive, easily could have stalled the drive. Big Maybe time. they don't even get in field Big goal time. range yeah. if they don't regroup and recover from that. The other thing that I wanted to point out, Paul, is on the offensive side of the ball, just the overall production. Number one, eight plays of 20-plus yards. That certainly is worth noting. But the other thing is that Daniel Jones not only threw for a career-high 402 yards, this was the first time that the Giants had a 300-plus-yard passer since the season finale in 2019. Paul, they went through the entire season last year, and they didn't have a 300-yard passer at all. So I think it says a lot about how much the offense overall was more explosive and productive in comparison to recent history, and even if you want to go further back. Well, I believe if you look at my Twitter page, they went 43 games without a 400-yard passer, and that would go back to Eli Manning down in Washington uh, several years ago. So, I mean, yeah, you're 100% right. The explosive plays certainly added up the numbers, but here's the thing about the National Football League today, fellas. Look at the difference between what happened yesterday and the previous two weeks for the Giants. If the ball bounces the wrong way when Barkley fumbles in overtime and Kyle Rudolph doesn't recover it, and the Saints do, we're not talking about any of the 10 or 12 great things the Giants did this morning. We're talking about how they're a total disaster and still haven't won a game. Just like if Slayton catches that ball against Washington, okay, game's over, and nobody has to worry about what happens at the end of the game with Dexter Lawrence. Uh, what happens with the NFL today? It's that simple. One self-inflicted wound. As Tom Coughlin said, more games are lost than they are won. I still haven't gotten a ruling, by the way. This morning's National Football League game book still says that Ross's catch was a touchdown. It still says that. And I don't understand it because... We're, we, we've got uh, John's here. He, he came well, back I'll from New Orleans exactly this morning. Yeah, the go Elias ahead, Sports Info rules it that way. Yeah, it, it was ruled a fumble and a recovery in the end zone. Since the same player recovered the fumble, it still counts as a touchdown yeah. pass. That is, the, the NFL posted something this morning about they it. They did. Yep. I didn't see it, John. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you did. Yes. So, um, and by the yeah. way, that, that ball could easily just roll out of the back of the end well, zone. It's a touchdown. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No question about it. So, you know, it. This is why people often lose sight. They let one or two plays, which determines the outcome of a game, allow it, allow that play to camouflage everything else that happened, which is why when a team loses, you have to be very careful to give credit where credit was due, even though you lost. And when you win, you also have to understand that there have been warts that were obviously, you know, over overshadowed. Yeah, Lance, just to jump in one more time real quick, and then I'll shut up, I promise. Joe Judge said this after the game. It's basically the same thing that Paul's saying here in his press conference. He said the results can often blind you to how a game actually went, and Mm -hmm. the results are not the best way to judge how you played. And obviously, look, the record's what matters at the end of the year, but when you're trying to figure out how to get your team better, a lot of times the results will blind if you win it'll blind you to some bad stuff if you lose it'll blind you to some good stuff so that's how the coaches look at it too it's it's an old school approach and that's one of the reasons why I love Joe Judge because you know that's the way Parcells used to look at it and you know hey bottom line is uh, uh Lance they move on they've got to face a very powerful and explosive Dallas team on Sunday and I think we would all agree that the Giants need to play better on both sides of the ball than they did yesterday if they're going to win. 
100%, specifically on the defensive side of the ball in terms of cleaning up those missed tackles. The Saints had a field day on the ground, but they got the two necessary stops late to force the punts, get the offense back to football. Offense took advantage, and they were able to overcome an 11-point deficit. So we will get more into some of the details of the game as we carry on throughout the course of the program here. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. You could also hit us up, hashtag Giants Chat. Let's open up the lines, and we start things off with Jason in New Haven. Jason, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? Uh, how you guys doing? Hi. Good. Good. Thanks for taking my call, fellas. Uh, glad that we won yesterday. Um, just a few things. I know you got a lot of calls, but if I could just say a few things that were I, things that I, lo- I was um, willing, I was hoping to see and that I did see. So the first thing was, I don't know about you guys, but I thought our O-line played phenomenal. Um, we didn't have the rushing yards, really, but as far as pass protection, I don't even think Daniel Jones was sacked yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. He wasn't. There was actually no sacks in the game for either team. Right. And, you know, let's not forget the Saints have Cameron Jordan, who last I checked, uh, NFL edge rusher. So, I mean, kudos to the O-line and Rob Sale for getting those guys um, coached up. And, you know, we'll see going forward, but yesterday was a positive. Darius Tony, um, I don't really know. I know the coach. Jason, it looks like we're having trouble with your line. You're coming in and out, so we're going to let you go on battery that. Battery on his cell phone uh, faded away. Hello? Yeah, let- it keeps popping up and in and out. Can you hear me now? Now we hear Hi. you actually. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yes, I was saying, um, Darius Tony. I'm so glad that he was able to showcase what he could do. I don't know about you guys. Um, I know it's, it's, it's still early in his career, but. He just brings something different to our offense that we haven't had since maybe before Odell got hurt. Just that sudden in-and-out joystick movement that's kind of, I mean, the Saints were just falling all over the place trying to tackle this Mm -hmm. dude. And I know Shepard and and, um, Slayton was out, but to be honest, I would like to see more three receiver sets with him, Shepard, and Galladay. Um, Not that I'm soured on Slayton, but Tony just opens up him and Ross yesterday were just, they just opened up our offense for some reason. It just looked different with those two in the game. Ross with his speed and, and, um, and, uh, what's his name? Um, Tony Tony. with his, um, ability to break tackles and he's just so elusive with the ball. He's so sudden. It was just, it was really awesome to see that just to see how he runs hard with the ball, but yet so elusive. And I doubt he's even 200 pounds. It was, it was really a sight to see yesterday watching him. Um, Danny Dimes, uh, Kudos to him. He had a great game. Uh, one of the things I was looking for this year was him beating a pretty good team. Um, and the Saints are a pretty good team. I know probably the procrastinators will say, oh, you beat the Saints. But the Saints are still good, and they're a good defense. So it was good to uh, good to see that. Um, as far as the O-line again, Andrew Thomas played a hell of a game against Cameron Jordan. Uh, Nate Soda had a good game. So I just kind of wanted to see what you guys thought about uh, going forward with Tony and Ross, like I said, those two just add a little more juice to our offense. No offense to Shepard. He's a great receiver, and I'm sure he'll be back soon enough. But those two are just uh, – they just re- our offense just looks different with those two. That 30-18 he converted was just – I mean, the way the Saints were just tripping over themselves to, to, to tackle him was just – it was great to see that. And I think that's the reason why we drafted him. I'm glad that he's on the field. So – if you guys could just expand a little bit what you saw from Tony and Ross, and uh, I'll take it off the air. All right, Jason. Appreciate the phone call. 
Yeah, Tony, I mean, we talked about this yesterday, guys, the third and 18 play. You know, he did that all by himself, essentially. It was a short pass, and he was just bouncing around. So, you know, when you have somebody like that that's so elusive, you know, now all of a sudden when you're in a third and nine or a third and ten, you say to yourself, hey, you've got a chance, Mm -hmm. and you could do some creative things. John Ross, listen, we knew he was going to make his presence felt if he could stay healthy because of his speed, and he immediately made his presence felt because you know he's going to be a vertical threat. So, you know, you have two different style players. You have one guy that really can take the top off the defense, and you have another guy that you don't have to have go deep down the field, mm-hmm. Jeff, but if you get him out in open space, you know he could turn a four- or five-yard catch into perhaps a 12- or a 13-yard game. And I, and I think this is what Dave Gettleman had a vision at the beginning of the offseason about how, what type of receivers and what kind of playmakers that Danny Jones needs. And, uh, you know, we throw in Galladay there. You talk about Shepard. You talk about Slayton. Every one of these guys has a different type of level of skill set that they can bring to this offense when you're designing plays. Um, and we've mentioned all of them, you know. So, I mean, Kenny Galladay is a guy who's very aggressive, very physical. You saw that on that catch that he had um, yesterday by making a first down. It was a huge play. Um, picking up an extra however many yards it was. That was just second effort for him, but a big receiver. Um, and then you, you throw in Shepard as a guy that's like your possession guy. You know, he's a he's your bread and butter, and Danny, Danny uh, Daniel Jones loves him. He, that's his go-to guy, and without him yesterday, he had to find somebody else, and that was Kadarius Toney. And Kadarius Toney's a, uh, definitely a, a playmaker where – um, he's going only going to get better. The more experience he gets and the better he gets at understanding his position and what he has to do on certain plays, uh, you just don't want him to do, try to do too much. You know, that's, that's what kind of these young guys do. Sometimes they feel like they can do too much and they all of a sudden start putting the ball on the ground. Uh, that'll put your butt on the bench quickly. So I think all of them bring a, a different type of skill set. And like you mentioned, Lance, I think all of them have the ability to do something a little bit different and that's what's so unique about the offense. Quickly, Lance, one thing about the offensive line, which we did not talk about last night, and I, I think we should bring it up today. The line took extra time on its own after practice the other day. Uh, watching practice, and then the media gets to talk to some of the players out on the patio. The offensive line stayed after, and they were doing their own thing with the snap counts, understanding that the Superdome can be a really nasty place to play, especially for offensive linemen. Those guys put in the extra work the other day prior to this game going in. And truthfully, in retrospect, I'm wondering how much that might have had to do with their success. 40 pass attempts for Daniel Jones, no sacks, six quarterback hits. They ran the ball for only 80-plus yards, but over four yards a carry. And I, I can't say enough about the fact that they did not have any false start penalties. Look, if that's what it takes, a little extra work on their own, then by all means, go do it because it paid off. Well, it's a well, good considering you had a new offensive lineman, too, in the mix as well. Matt Scurro playing left yeah. guard for the first time in his career. And, and here's something you got to look at. When I, I talk about it all the time, you guys know about leadership and, and where you need leaders at each position group. Um, you know, you look at Scurro, you look at, uh, at Nate Solder. Okay, these mm-hmm. are two very big veterans that actually have played in some big games. You look at the teams that they came from. They've they played in games where it's been loud and things like that. Then you look at Hernandez, okay? You look at uh, Andrew Thomas. Not so much, right? Billy Price. These guys, they, you know, they got together and said, hey, listen, we played in these types of games before. This is what we're going to have to do to be successful with the snap count 
And and you're right, Paul. They they went to work. They did a little extra work in the classroom and on the field, and they understood what they had to do, and they did it. They executed it, and that was beautifully. Because we're going into the game. I'm thinking to myself, this is a team that's going to have a lot of penalties today because it's so loud. They're going to shoot themselves in the foot, and they didn't do it. Congratulations to them. It was well done. Hey, not to get off topic, but there was a college football game on Saturday. Florida visited Kentucky. Florida had eight false starts in that game. <laughs> they should have met, too. <laughs> well, and I think part of it is, and this may be a trend that I think we'll get a better read on, guys, once the season ends. But remember, a lot of these stadiums have full capacity of fans now. That mm-hmm. wasn't the case last season. So mm-hmm. even if you are a polished veteran, what you experienced last season, you really didn't get a taste of, okay, this season, because now it's really the opposite end of the spectrum. Now right. you have to anticipate what the noise is going to be like. And, you know, when you have a season off, sometimes you, you got to really adjust your body and the communication and so forth. So I think we're seeing that in college football, and I think we're also seeing it in the NFL. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out moving forward, especially in some of these other tougher venues like New Orleans, like Seattle, mm-hmm. like Kansas City. 201-939-4513. Let's head back to the phone lines. Tony is in Houston. He joins us. What's happening, Tony? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Can you hear me? We yep. hear you loud Hi. Yep. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, long time listener, first time caller. I just got a few questions, or not a few questions, a few statements. First things first, man, I've been one of the guys beating up on Daniel Jones, but that 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 young man has been playing great football this year. You, you, you got you to give props where it's due. Um, same with the offensive line. I was a guy beating up on Andrew Thomas. I know we kind of got a makeshift off offensive line that's kind of coming in and out, but, I mean, it's like everybody we put out there just – I mean, those those fellas get out there and fight every week, man. Um, like I said, I beat up on them, so I got to come back and give them their props when they're doing well. Um, to be honest, we're one and three right now, but I know we can't control what the refs do. We could be sitting at three and one right at, at the same time, so – um, I love the fight these guys have. There's some some questionable questionable stuff that I don't agree with all the time. But hey, these these, these guys come in here, man. I, I'd rather have ugly wins than pretty losses. Um, we we've also seen yesterday. I think was a great opportunity opportunity for us to see. We got a lot of talent on this team, man. KT, John Ross. You know, having Sterling Shepard out and Darius Slayton out, I'm not going to say that's a blessing. You know, you don't want to wish any injuries on anybody. But I think yesterday was an opportunity for us to see, like, we've got some stuff. Let's open the playbook up. Let's let these guys go. Let them lose. Um, let's get going. Because next week, you know, I love our defense. But, whew, we saw what Dallas did yesterday. So, we got a tall task. I, I'm confident in the defense. So, we're we going to need the offense to come and make and, and kind of I won't say match them score for score, but we, we're going to have to put some points up next week. And um, just to wrap it up, and I'll let you guys go, yesterday was my wife and I's first anniversary, so Giants gave me a great gift. So, love the Giants. <laughs> Congrats. Good for Let's you. Go. Let's, there we go. Let's get it going, boys. Love you guys. Love the team. Go Giants. Thank you. All right, Tony. Appreciate the phone call. With respect to the personnel, you know, the one thing that should not be overlooked is Sterling Shepard when he was healthy, made a number of big third-down conversions for the Giants, guys. Yeah, so I understand the points about Tony and John Ross, certainly different skill set, and they should aim to involve as much personnel as possible. But it wasn't as if Shepard wasn't delivering before he went down with no, injury. absolutely not. I mean, he was having, you know, you saw the way he was, uh, you know, doing things in preseason and, 
uh, probably going into the season this year, he was in the best shape, he said. And, and sure enough, the first three games, and, you know, he played well. And um, so I think it's certainly when he comes back, those hamstrings are tricky, as we know, uh, for both those guys. And uh, there's a place for everybody. It's just a matter yeah. of, you know, that, that, that room is going to get a little crowded when they're all healthy. That's for sure. And that's a good thing because you have some depth. And sure. I think that it'll be – I think a lot of times when you see who that fourth and fifth receiver are on game day, it's going to be have to do a lot with matchups and special teams and things like that. But, you know, listen, I think that if you're Jason Garrett and you have a full complement of these wide receivers to be able to match up against some of these defenses, that's a good thing for you. But now the flip side of it, and we probably should talk a little bit about this, guys, is that is that, that defense and the tackling that they yesterday went on was not good, and that's something that's going to have to improve if they're going to go up against – well, they're going to go up against a Dallas offense that's very potent um, and big playmakers and guys that get the balls in their hands and have good yak yardage they're going to have to tackle. Definitely it was horrible yesterday. Horrible. Well, especially when you could turn – a two-yard gain into a seven- or an eight-yard gain. You know, that changes downs and distance. And you got Zeke, you got Tony Pollard on the ground, you got a plethora of wide receivers, and the tight ends now are becoming even more utilized for Dallas with Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin. Yeah, you can't have that repeat performance. I don't think there's any doubt about it. The other thing I wanted to add, Jeff, with respect to your point about the depth in the receiving core, I think what was showcased yesterday is you never know when injuries are going to happen, but the difference maybe in previous years compared to what we saw yesterday, and it's still a small sample size, is that when you have wide receivers that could step in for your second and third guy and the defense has to account for them, the defense has to game plan for them, you know, that's important to note because I think in the NFL, even though you may have depth, there is a distinct difference between, for example, what Christian McCaffrey does versus what Chuba Hubbard does, right, in Carolina, which was the case yesterday when they played the Cowboys. There's a distinct difference when you have Saquon Barkley and you go to Wayne Goldman or Devontae Booker. No disrespect to those guys, but it's just what those guys do is sure. not what Saquon does. Yeah. So if you're telling me you put Tony out there and Ross out there, and these are guys that are big vertical threats, can really – change how defenses are going to have to scheme that also I think makes you a little bit more dangerous as a team I would add this though Lance more importantly the Giants offensive line through four games has pass protected pretty darn well and I would venture to say they've actually put forth better pass pro than probably they have in any four game set collectively in a number of years and that's a big deal because you can talk all you want about game planning for weapons. If teams know that your offensive line isn't going to hold up, well, then guess what? They'll just say it doesn't matter about game planning for those other guys. We're just going to send heat at the quarterback, and we're not going to give them time to find them. So now they face a double jeopardy because now it appears that Daniel Jones is going to have sufficient time to pick out his weapons, which means now, uh-oh, we can't just send extra heat because if we do, we're leaving ourselves exposed on the back end. Yeah, Let's, you know, you, you gotta throw, you got, you gotta compliment those coaches too. I mean, they've, <laughs> they've had their hands full of trying to put together uh, an offensive line that's been, you know, piecemealed here and there, and and that's not easy. And then also, I think that I, you could a great point, Paul. That these guys have been playing well as far as their protection goes, and you know, yeah, could their run blocking be a little bit better? But you know, 
years past, we've always talked about how better they are at run blocking than they are at pass blocking. Correct. Well, so yeah. I think that they're making progress, and I think coaching. You know, you look at Coach Flats. He, <laughs> listen, he is a heck of a football coach, and Rob Sale is also the new the new head offensive line coach for the Giants this year. But you know, Pat Flaherty has been able to come in and and do some things and help him out because he's a first year pro coach for the offensive line and um and ben wilkerson also is also the other one of those coaches so those guys have done a great job with that offensive line and they they get some kudos from me let's head back to the phone lines ralph is in florida joins us here on big blue kickoff live what's happening ralph hello ralph hey lance hey lance hey paul hey jeff uh, hi you guys are still on my thunder i was calling about to talk about rob sale and past boundary i think the job they have done with four different left guards and four different games has been outstanding i mean the pass protection yesterday, I think, has been the best I've seen in the last maybe 16 games. It was phenomenal. I thought Daniel Jones had time to survey the field, make good decisions, no rushing on his throws. And um, the other points I want to make is, like, yesterday, even when we did have a hiccup on, on a drive, it wasn't like it was devastating. Like, when we went, it was third and 18. We threw the ball to Kadarius Tony for six yards, and he makes a play and gets a first down. We haven't had that since Odell. And then... The best one is in overtime when we get the penalty on Colin Johnson for not substituting right. Yep. It's second and 14. Hey, you're going, oh, here we go again. Here goes another backbreaker. And you go to Saquon and he gets 18. And you're like, okay, we got some going. Then the fumble. Kyle Rudolph picks it up. He's like, oh, here we go again in second and 11. And it's like the offense didn't stop. And my thing to, to, that I want to say is with the pass pro that we, we've been, you know, been seeing, I just feel like the team has to be a vertical team now. You have to be able to run down the field. You're going to have to be able to throw the ball. I think, you know, our teams run the ball to throw. We're going to have to be a team that throws the ball to run. Because if you're opening it up down the field with Daniel Jones and and Gallaudet going across the middle and Ross, you know, being that seam runner and Tony doing all the runs that he can, all the plays he can make, and then you add Slayton coming back, and Sherman Shepard, who eats up the middle of the field. And, again, another weapon. I know he's not having a great, and everybody beats him up. But Evan Ingram is still a weapon, a tight end, and nobody wants to understand that. So if you got all that, you have to be able to use your passing game to help your running game. Because then now you cannot keep 7-8 in a box against Saquon. And I think that will open up the running game even more to make us a better state. But I think we have to come out throwing vertical routes and having those 15-yard in-cuts to, to Galladay and things like that just to open up the, the middle of the field. I don't know what you guys think. Well, another way they can do that is by sending Barkley out wide, which is what they did yesterday when he went down the sideline and caught the 54-yarder for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he caught 91 passes to set a, a rookie record for the Giants, right, most of that stuff was screens, checkdowns, dump-offs, it was it was really you know nothing nothing downfield. I thought he got what was it two or three downfield passes he caught all year, and we kept saying, well in year two, well we're going to see more of those passes downfield. They're going to get a, they're going to find ways to let Barkley go out in routes and get 10, 15 yards downfield, and he could be very explosive that way. Well, we didn't see it then, and then Barkley got hurt last year, so we didn't see it then, and now here we are in year four. And we didn't see it really the first couple of weeks. And now all of a sudden yesterday, all of a sudden, whoa, my God, Barkley is up on the left sideline. Look at him go. I mean, you know, how many years did we have to scream about it? And, and, and now we saw it, 
And now other teams have seen that on tape, and it's something they have to deal with and worry about. And it would not be a bad idea every once in a while for the Giants to just line him up out there. Even if they don't throw it to him, they could give that look now that they've shown it can be dangerous. Well, and you heard Daniel Jones talk about that play, the touchdown play, how him and um, Saquon had been talking about that on the sideline. And, you know, that's yeah. something that goes on during the game and in-game adjustments. And, you know, it doesn't always happen where the coaches are telling the players things. The coach, the players see the things on the field. And they sometimes come back and tell the coaches. But in this case, it sounded to me like these guys got on the same page and said, hey, listen, this can work. And sure enough, they went out and executed it and boom. Touchdown. So it's a great, great opportunity to do things like that. And, and I, I tell you, that, that, that play there between them, they'll be talking about that for a long time because that's something special. When Barkley spoke after the game, Jeff, he had mentioned that mm-hmm. he took Daniel Jones to the side. They looked at some film, and Barkley told DJ that if we go to that again or we give them that look, in all likelihood they're not going to come up with me all the way up the sideline, and then if I get one-on-one, I could beat the guy. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. As far as what you said, Paul, off the top of my head, I'm thinking one of the longest receptions that Barkley may have had was, I think, the pass Odell threw to him at Kent's Carolina. Kent's Carolina. (laughs) Down in Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, On a wide receiver option. Yeah. So of all the the plays, it wasn't even a conventional quarterback that threw to him. And and this is what I'm talking about. Look, uh, since Barkley got here, you and I in particular, and I I know Lance has said it also, uh, I mean, Jeff has said it many times, Barkley's a weapon. He's not a running back. He's an offensive weapon. So why why was this team over the first three-plus years of his career, well, again, last year he was hurt, not giving him more opportunities by giving him a variety of, of chances to line up in different spots? Basically, every time you see Barkley, for the most part, he's back there in that one back, and you know where he's going to be. Why not give him more chances to line up in different spots? He can cause headaches no matter where he goes. Sure. Well, and we saw that, I think, firsthand. Because once he gets out into open space, he's healthy. He can certainly do plenty of damage, and he did that. I mean, they had two 50-plus yard touchdowns. One was by John Ross, who just came off IR, and the other one was from a running back that's not that far removed from the start of the season off a torn ACL. So, you know, that is certainly a big positive development based on those playmakers. Let's head back to the phone lines. We check in with Stas in Washington. What's happening, Stas? Hey, what's up, guys? So just three quick things I want to hit with. First, we need to send a memo to HR, and we need to get Rob Sal like a 50% pay bump because my man is earning his money. Because those <laughs> people that are starting weren't even on our roster at the end of training camp right now. And this is the best I've seen him. Two, I beat up Jason Garrett all week. I was, I was out there writing letters to John Mara. Jason Garrett, I'm sorry. You called an amazing game. I was wrong. Let's just stay in this space, though. No, no more end-arounds in the end zone, please. And lastly, there's a saying that a win's a win, right? But that's not always really the case. There's different ways you win. And, and when I see the Giants play this, when I saw the Giants play this week, it was the first time that I felt like we went out and took a win. Like even last year when we were when we won, I always felt like we were surviving these wins. Like we were just getting by. This 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 was the first time that I felt like this team came together. And it, look, every every part. CJ Board returns twenty seven yard uh, punt return, which sets up the big Saquon Barkley play. The defense comes out, gets a stop, which sets up us to tie the game. 
Then we get the ball in the overtime, and we don't play for the field goal. We punch you in the mouth, and we walk home at our at our at our on our on, on our terms. And it was just great to see it. And, and, and there are wins that you take, and you say okay. And there are wins that can galvanize the team. And I hope this is the win that can galvanize the team because it really felt that way. You know why and you feel that way? I'm going to tell you. Ex- I'm going to tell you exactly why you feel that way because there were a number of guys yesterday who made those plays above the X's and the O's. We talk about them all the time. That's a Dan Reeves phrase, okay? And the truth of the matter is, when you have a a handful of guys who make some of those plays, it says to me that those players drew a line in the sand and said enough is enough. We're not taking this anymore. We're not losing this game. And you had guys from Galladay to Barkley to Jones who simply said, you know what? Screw this. We're not losing another game. I'm going to make this yeah, play. Like if, if, right? I'm going to make like this play. Quarter, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm not going to give you what you – I'm not going to give what the defense takes. Uh, I'm not going to take what the defense gives me. I'm going to take yeah. what I want and what yeah. I need right now. I got you. And it just felt different. It, it felt so commanding. It was a different it was, mentality. It was, it was so Eli, I agree absolutely. with you. It was so Eli Manning, fourth quarter, I'm going to put this defense on the heels, on their heels. And it just felt good. Like when I – when I, when I got done watching the team, I was just like, yes, this is how the Giants play. We, we dictate terms, and it just, it just felt good to, to see, and I hope it sparks something because we got a lot of talent, and there's a lot of people who beat up Dave Gettleman and, uh, for, for the team that he put together, and I don't think he's done a bad job at GM at all. When I think back what we had and what we have, we're, 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 we're so much better. We just got to start putting together the wins now. So I'll take it off the air. Thanks, guys. All right, Sas. Appreciate hey, Jeff, the phone call. Yeah. Jeff, I, I used to sometimes talk to coaches in the past mm-hmm. about players' attitudes like that. You know, we've talked about guys like Antrell Roll and Justin Tuck, uh, obviously Lawrence Taylor, Antonio Pierce, guys who were like junkyard dogs, mm-hmm. okay? And, and they played angry. They played with a purpose. They played with, hey, you're not doing this to us. We're doing this to you. And I've often joked with some coaches in the past. I'll say, look, I think this player is really terrific, and I love his talent. But, my God, he's always so passive all the time. So I got an idea, Coach. Right before kickoff, take his fingers, throw it in the doorstop, and slam the door shut on his hands. <laughs> yeah, that's going okay? <laughs> to get, get the Get the SOB foaming at the mouth. Let him get angry before the game because that's what you need. You need some pit bulls out there. And I thought some of the Giants' offensive players, in particular yesterday, played like pit bulls. Well, I mean, there, there's a time and a place for everything. Slamming people's fingers in doors is definitely a time and a place for something. <laughs> I'm obviously, not on figure of speech, Jeff. Jeff. You <laughs> I understand. Know I know that. Uh, and it, it's funny because if any of you, we talked about this yesterday, if any of you were listening to the broadcast on the radio yesterday, that Howard Cross was asking the same thing. You know, where is the fight in, you know, where are, the, where are some of the guys throwing, you know, whatever and, and the helmets and things like that. And, and I'll tell you, around – I don't know, was it nine minutes left in the game? I think this something clicked. I mean, really, and, and then all of a sudden, as soon as that coin toss happened at, at the overtime. Peppers with had Jabril it, right? Peppers, yep. Peppers got his team fired up on that thing, man. I mean, that was a play of the day as far as I'm concerned. That was the rated R version of the coin toss, by the way. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff going on in that coin toss, but I'll tell you what, he <laughs> came back to the bench as much as he could because he has that hamstring injury just wobbling back there, but he got everybody fired up, and it worked because the defense never stepped on the field. 
uh, that offense got the ball, went down 75 yards, and and took it in to win. And and nobody gave up, and those guys stuck together. And I think that's the a true testament to the coaches and the staff and the players to be able to go on the road and and put a quality win like that together because it isn't easy. You know you what? Know what? Go, go, go ahead, Jeff. No, yeah. well, Lance, Lance, let's go back. You just mentioned, Jeff, about nine and a half minutes left in the game. The Saints had their first three and out of the day. Mm-hmm. Third and two from their own 25. They bring in Hill to be the quarterback. He goes right tackle for no gain. And that forced them to punt. And that changed right then and there. It was all Giants from that failed third and two conversion when he yeah. was stuffed at the line. And who was in on that? Do you remember who was in on that play? You don't. Well, you had what? Ojalari and Carter got that's right. That. Yeah. That's right. Two the two linebackers who just stuffed him as he tried to go off tackle. And well, because he was doing that all game and they finally adjusted. And that, that's the point. <laughs> they finally yeah. said we're not gonna take this anymore. Well, and, I mean, to they, me, though, you know, I think that's execution as well, though, in fairness, Paul. I, I, think, I think part of it's attitude. I really do. I think, I think at that point in time, it, you'd be lying to me, Lance, if you thought the Giants were going to come back and win this game. I'm sure in, in your mind you said they are in deep doo-doo and this sure, is going to go absolutely. down as a defeat. And I bet you that those guys felt the same thing and said, hey, you know what? We're going to change this tune. We're going to end the story on a better note this time. And they changed it. Absolutely, but I the reason why I'm a little bit skeptical of this whole attitude higher power thing is because, you know, when Jeff was commenting, it reminded me of, if you recall, a few weeks ago, we had Kenny Galladay, right, was fired up on the sideline, guys, remember? Mm-hmm. And everybody blew that out of proportion, even though I thought that was ridiculous. Yet Galladay was being criticized for showing emotion, but now it's okay when they're down by 11? You want somebody to show emotion <laughs> on the sideline? No, 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 well, no. I've though? never criticized Galladay no, I'm not for saying, that emotion. Paul, I'm not saying it was you. Relax. Relax. Well, because Take I'm a smarter step back than from that. the microphone. I'm smarter I'm than that, I'm not criticizing you. I lo- I'm talking in general. Well, because, because people read the papers, and the papers love to criticize whenever they can. You, that emotion is good. The pit bull emotion is good. Better teams will always have some guys who are like that. Jeff knows this. He played in the league a long time. Well, by the way, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Whatever he was saying to Jason Garrett, because remember he came out and, and, and basically cleared the air by saying, I wasn't talking about Daniel Jones. I was yelling at Jason Garrett. So evidently it worked because they got the ball to Galladay yesterday. Um, when we're talking about the fourth quarter real quickly, I got my notes here on the game. I have on seven minutes and one second down by 11. Then I have a big circle on my, my uh, paper here, 27-yard return by C.J. Board. To me, that started everything. That, that, to me, was a huge play. I mentioned to you guys yesterday about the mm-hmm. special teams. That was a big one. Um, and then, again, we, this kind of just gets kind of put aside. You won't really talk about it much, but how about the two-point conversion again by Daniel Jones? Very rugged. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Christmas. I got seven stars next to that circle, by the way. I, <laughs> this is my scoring system for you guys scoring at home. <laughs> Star system, um, yeah. Yeah, but in, and then the other one here is I have, I have a little note here. The defense needs to get off the field. They, did, they got a three and out, and you mentioned that a minute ago, Paul. Um, on a third and 14 stop with three minutes and 13 seconds, they force uh, a punt. and then uh, uh, three, Pressure by Leonard Williams. Yes, and then I have down here three minutes and one second left, down by three at this point, and then boom, that uh, third down pass to Galladay, and that was a big one to get him in. So, I mean, just just an amazing game, just a lot of, a lot of positivity to take away, a lot of negativity to take away too that I think that Joe Judge is going to have his players in that meeting today. And, and, and listen, you in the National Football League, you're playing a lot of games, guys, 
and I've won and, and lost a lot of them. Uh, you got the flight home, okay? You got Monday to go over it and get in the training room and get the injuries kind of taken care of. Tuesday's your day off. Most of the guys go in and study film and do whatever, and boom, forget about it. You're now on to Dallas on Wednesday morning. You get your game plan, and let's go. That's just it's, it's, it doesn't last long. It takes a long it takes a long time to win a game, but you don't get to enjoy it for very off very for a long long time period of time. And these guys got to move on because they got a division appointment against Dallas, who's in the first in the division now, and uh, it's going to be a good one. And but this just winning this game brings a lot of confidence into that game next week. The 2021 season is now underway. There's still time to secure your season tickets. Root on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. You can speak with a Giants ticket representative now. Become a season ticket member. Call 888-NYG-1925. Also, you can take in all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. You can speak with a Giants suite rep. Call also 888-NYG-1925. And on an unrelated note, the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself, get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. Let's head back to the phone lines at 201-939-4513. Glenn is in Florida and he joins us. What's happening, Glenn? Hey, I didn't watch the game yesterday, but I was excited to see the highlights and them winning their game. And I'm proud of the, of Tony and um, Ross and, and Daniel Jones, too. Very proud of them. And I'm wearing a giant shirt just to show how proud I am of them. <laughs> Good for you. Very nice. All right, Glenn. appreciate and you being a fan. Of yours, yeah. Cool. All right, Glenn. Yeah. Pre- appreciate the phone Thanks call. Thanks for the call. Thank Glenn, you so much. Glenn just chiming in there. Got his got his game gear on still. Um, glad he was able to follow the game without watching it. That was good. It's I, a I victory just Monday he, for him. At the <laughs> end there, he said he had he had a he was a big fan of yours, Jeff. I wonder which number of yours he was wearing. <laughs> He's got he was wearing number from. ten, <laughs> the number ten Jeff Eagles jersey, which is now retired. Okay, Paul. There That's you go. what he was wearing. That's the only jersey to proudly wear now. Come on, you should That's know right. better. I concur. Let's head back to the phone lines. <laughs> Jay is in Brooklyn. He joins us. What's happening, Jay? Hey, what's, what's up, up Jay? Uh, I wonder if this game uh, has got to force us to adjust the way we look at this team going forward. I mean, we all came into the season saying, you know, we got this team has got to establish the run. We got to limit the exposure. Maybe basically, we don't want Daniel Jones throwing 30, 35 times a game. We're going to play stout defense. We have all these options to rush the passer. And I'm going to be honest, that's not what this team is. This mm-hmm. team's strengths on offense are the quarterback's running ability, the quarterback's deep-throwing ability, and the receiving ability of the skill positions. I think maybe they need to start leaning more towards the way they played in that last eight minutes of the game yesterday. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, you you, know, I, I, I kind of agree with you to a point, but you still have to be able to run the football. You got no, absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying – Especially okay, in the red zone, the by run. the way. Okay. Yeah, I'm not saying, I'm not saying abandon the run. But the run game is not the strength of this team. It's just not. I mean, look, Saquon had a great game yesterday. His biggest play was the receiving end. Mm -hmm. He had 53 yards of rushing. For instance, old school thought, like me and Paul, I I agree with Paul on some of the methods. Next week's game would be time of position, time of possession, control the clock, run the ball, play stout defense. That's really not what this team is. They're just not. They are a big play, uh, throw it deep, 
time of possession with the pass, I think, more than the run. And their defense, again, we're not going to get into negatives here, their defense has basically fallen to the middle of the pack of the season. They can't really rush the pass on a consistent basis. I think they need to adjust. The way they played yesterday, I think, is more of what this team is going forward. You know, I would say this. Number one, defensively, without Blake Martinez, I do think that you have to make some tweaks. I don't think there's any doubt about it because you cannot rely on this to be a top-10 defense if Blake Martinez is out of that lineup. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. It, they, they, that's a major hit. He, to me, I, and I think, fellas, you would agree, at the beginning of the season, didn't John ask us who are the top three guys you can't lose on this team aside from the quarterback? And mm-hmm. I think we all put Blake Martinez in our sure. top three. Yeah, he too. came up in the conversation. He's huge. Yeah. So, so you can't count on a top ten defense without Martinez in there. So I do think you do have to make a tweak. Now, offensively, there's no doubt that because the run blocking has suffered in part due to the injuries on the offensive line and also in part to just the shuffling that they've had to do, it, it's it's not been what you need it to be. But I see it coming. I see Barkley getting better every week, and I think that this run game will start to approach what it is that they wanted. The question is, how many weeks does it take to get there? They got Dallas coming up Sunday. You really don't have any time to waste. It's go time. If you're going to get one of those 140-yard, 150-yard rushing attacks, you really got to pull it out Sunday. I don't know if they're prepared to do that. I don't know if they're capable of doing that. But it would be a great time to do it, and I certainly wouldn't give up the game plan that says we need to do it. Because maybe if it doesn't happen this week, maybe it happens next week. Because going forward, you're going to need some 140, 150-yard rushing games to win football. The six-yard yeah, run by Barkley was very Sorry, effective okay, for the game winner in the red zone. Sure he was. found the hole. He was decisive. Split you know, Hernandez yeah. and Solder. You want to see more of that, and especially because of where it came. The reason why they're still struggling in the red zone is their inability to execute on the ground. Bingo. They ran the ball yesterday in the red zone. It wasn't as if they didn't run the ball. They just we're talking about minimal gain. We're talking about a negative three run. Now it of course was with Engram, but you know even the Barkley runs one yard, two yards, and then all of a sudden you decide to throw, and the coverage is so tight you have to loosen things up with the run game. So that to me is a must. I slightly disagree though in terms of the philosophy against Dallas that it's one of those games where you want to win time of possession and wear them down and this and that because I mean the Panthers had the ball for seven more minutes than the Cowboys yesterday and it did absolutely no benefit this is actually a game you need more of those explosive plays if you want to hang with Dallas you need to be able to manufacture and put points on the board this is not one of those grinded out games where we're going to hope to win 20 to 17 you're just not going to win that way against the Dallas Cowboys it's not going to work no I recently I agree with that philosophy (laughs) but but that would be the old school mentality would have been like that would have been hey let's hold on to the ball let's you know, let's let's keep them off the field. Well, the way that Dallas not, is going I, offensively, I if you play pinball is. against them, you're asking for trouble. So I no, but I think it's you, your Lance. best chance to win, though. I Paul. disagree with you. I, well, you and I are going to disagree. That's, that's, that's fine. That's okay. But you're you're not going to be. I, what do I tell you all the time, Paul? And I appreciate the phone call, Jay. Thanks for the phone call. When you have time of possession and you win time of possession, it's all about how many points you score with that right, time of possession. Right. And that's I don't why care the run how long game, you hold the football for. But that's why the power run game has to get going. Because if you have that against Dallas and you get in the red zone, you'll get touchdowns instead of field goals. That's how you'll beat them.
Well, has have the Giants proved that they could score touchdowns in the well, red zone? That's no. but but that's okay. why I just wait a said minute. To the so call. how am I? Why should I not be skeptical? No, no. You're telling me the philosophy is run the ball, get in the red zone, score touchdowns, but and the Giants have yet to score no, touchdowns that's in the red absolutely zone. Absolutely, the game plan to do it. The question becomes, can you execute it? And to this point, the Giants have only shown that in a flash at the end of yesterday's game. And that's my did you hear what point. I but, right? But what I said just two minutes ago was. You really need to be able to do that Sunday. I don't know if they can. They're four for 12 in four games. Yeah, I don't know if they can. They're one for three in every game. At some point in time, they're going to have to be able to do that. Otherwise, they won't have a chance to get back to 500. Well, Well, and here's another example. Jeff, I don't mean to cut you off. We even brought this statistic up. The Saints held the ball much longer than the Giants yesterday in time of possession. Yeah. Okay. And what the Saints are looking at the stat sheet. Sean Payton's looking around. He's saying, wait a minute. What the hell's going on here? So you're confusing an effective run game with time of possession, Lance. They're not the same thing. They happen to have some similar characteristics. And you, in, in most cases, you need one to have the other. But they're not the same thing. We're not, we're not arguing about the same point here. We're arguing about two different points. Well, but, my it's okay. point from, but my point from the get-go has always been time of possession alone does not guarantee victory. It's all about not. what you do with time of possession. Totally That's agree. simply my point. We agree. Yeah, Go ahead, Jeff. To, I'm sorry. And, and also yeah. to the point with the red zone, when you don't have an effective running game, which the Giants do not, let's all agree on Correct. that. Correct. You have to be you have to be able to come up with more creative plays, and that's what happened yesterday on the Score end around outside jet sweep. the red zone. <laughs> well, no, my point <laughs> is that they, they had the jet sweep to Evan Ingram. Okay, that is trying to just basically put, you know, lipstick on a pig. It's like, (laughs) I mean, you you can't effectively run the football in between the tackles. So you got to have to design a play that maybe you have used one of your speedsters to try to get around. And that didn't even work. So um, I I think that it's imperative that you have to be able to have some semblance of a a consistent running game when you get into that short red zone to be able to score touchdowns. If not, it, 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 the advantage goes to the defense uh, it, it, every time because you, we talk about how that field closes down and, you know, it's hard to get separation by those receivers. And it's, it's, it's very difficult when, that, when you don't have that, that power running game. And now listen, maybe they, they go with what Paul wants to do, put two, two, fullbacks in there for god's sakes they got two of them on the they got two of them on the roster so you know do something you know the shame of it they had two chances and two different drives to to use the fullback lead in the second quarter they had a second and three from the 17 and they went barkley wide to the right for two and then on third and one incomplete on a throwaway fullback lead on either of those plays i'm telling you they'll get the first down and then later on in the third quarter they had first and goal from the three. They go Barkley right guard for one when he was a lone setback. And then second and goal from the two, Ingram goes left sweep for minus three. Third and goal from the five, incomplete in the left seam uh, for, for Rudolph. Again, no fullback lead. Either of those drives, I submit to you, if you've got the mentality and you go with the fullback lead, you've got a better chance of making it happen. And, well, and, and the reason why they have to execute so much better on the ground is because, to Jeff's point, if your skill set at the wide receiver position is guys could separate in open space, well, the defense now has the luxury of saying we don't have to worry about defending all that open space anymore, right? Once you get into mm-hmm. the red zone, you can easily stick with the Galladay's, the John Ross's, the Tonys of the world because you don't have as much territory you need to cover. So that's more of a reason why you have to be able to get teams to respect your run game so that maybe that could loosen things up in the event you want to 
throw the football. I because, knew you'd come around, Lance. Nice job. Well, I never, but I'm not, when did I ever disagree with that whole concept? I'm Stop always in favor of running the ball the, effectively. Stirring the pot, Tino. Yeah, oh. I mean, stirring it over I'm always there. in favor of running the football, but what I'm saying is red zone efficiency needs to be much better yeah. before you could just bank on you're going to get to the red zone and score touchdowns. Yeah, that's no, what I'm saying. That's true. That's true. Let's head back to the phone lines. Mr. Grant is in Virginia. Mr. Grant, welcome to the program. I didn't realize we were getting so formal on this show. <laughs> hey, guys. How y'all doing? Hi. Good. We're doing all right. What do you got for us? Uh, um, I actually was at the game. Uh, I haven't missed one of you, games, you guys' games yearly. Um, I was actually at the Falcons game. Half time I actually met up with Jeff Beagles. Uh, I was on crutches, and he was a real, just a, a stout talent. You know what I'm saying? He came off his way just to take a picture with me, man. It really sent me all the way down 95 South. Amazing. Oh, that's good. I'm glad I remember you. Yep. Yes, sir. <laughs> Definitely appreciate you. But see, you guys actually showed up and showed out. I told everybody you guys was going to beat the Saints. Nobody believed it. Nobody believed Danny Dimes was going to do 350. And I got another little small bold prediction. He's going to do it again this week against the Cowboys. And on top of that, Saquon, I'm actually pushing him out probably by around 75-plus yards. And I believe alone you guys might get that 150-plus on the run because Danny Dimes is going to break maybe a 40-yarder. They're going to put him in a run, you know, the RPOs, you know, uh, the runouts, and then Saquon's going to get his, Booker's going to get his, and I believe you'll get your 150. So the whole situation, yeah, so I definitely believe that we're going to surprise a lot more fans this week again because the line is definitely holding up. We had a problem with the run pass. I mean, with the run, with the run, but – this week, we definitely showed other words that we can actually run that ball. Nate Soda looking like young guy again. So anybody have any doubts about Danny Dimes, man, they need to put that stuff to bed. You protect him, he's closest to Jesus. <laughs> wow, we're really taking it far <laughs> on this program. All right, Mr. Grant, appreciate the phone call. <laughs> it's amazing what one game does to the mindset of certain people. Let's, Imagine uh, if they won three in a row. Yeah, I know. Well, I, oh, I don't know wh- how much closer you're going to put them to anybody at that point, Jeff, <laughs> if they go that far. Let's uh, head back to the phone lines. Naeem is in Jersey. What's happening, Naeem? Hey, what's up, guys, man? What's up, guys? How y'all doing today, man? Hi. Doing all right. What do you got for us? All right, man. Yeah, man. Great show, man. You know, and um, I agree with both of y'all, you know, uh, pretty much statements earlier about the Giants down in the red zone, man. But I just want to say, man, um, I like what, I like the direction they're actually going in, man. Um, I kind of see that they get better each and every week, man, even through the losses. A lot of people may not want to see it, but you got to have continuity, too, in any type of sport you have. And I think the Giants get, you know, having a few new players, man, getting to fill them out, not playing, you know, then you got guys coming back hurt. Um, you know, I mean, all that takes time. Um, I like the toughness of Galladay, man. I mean, my God, man. The kid got some real toughness with him, man. I like... Um, I like KT. He got toughness with him. And I guess it was just seeing other other receivers other than anybody in the clutch moments other than Evan Ingram and um, the other kid, um, Slayton. But just to see some new faces, man, putting up some production and looking like they want to be on the field with toughness, to me, that's John football, man. I like it. I like it. Well, listen. You know, I don't. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, but I don't, you know, I mean, I see a lot of holes, man, but I see a lot of holes all through the NFL. I don't see any great team in the NFL in week four going into week five. I don't see a great team. I see teams, and, but I don't see a lot of defense stopping, even especially at clutch moments, 
you know, especially, you know, especially at clutch moments. Um, I think Barkley is really getting his feet back. Um, I kind of figured it was going to take time. I believed um, Galladay's statement back before the season started. He said, hey, man, you know, it's going to, you know, it's not going to be great, you know. And that's what it looked like. Um, I'd be good. I'd be good just to see them have, you know, just win eight games. That's all right with me because I see the direction and the toughness that's, that's actually showing up. And, and, and it takes time when you got a new team. I Neem. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much. Well, clearly there are some new faces that were in the mix. Yes, they see Tony snaps and his usage is going up. John Ross wasn't available for the first three games. So, you know, those are two guys that are welcomed arrivals in addition to hopefully them getting some of these other guys back from injury. But I think the caller raises a good point in that, and this brings really our conversation full circle, despite the win, still thinks the cleanup. If you're the Giants, specifically the mistackling on defense, knowing you're going up against another team that can run the ball effectively, and also the fact that you can't dig yourself in hole after hole after hole and think that you're going to constantly rally. Eventually, you got to put yourself in a position where you set the tone from the start, you get the lead, and you carry that through. And that's something that we have yet to see so far this season. Yeah, I mean... This this team, that's a good point. I mean, especially if you're going to go on the road. I mean, yeah. talk about wanting to take the crowd out of out of the game. That's kind of what the Giants did in that fourth quarter, and that and that helped because, you know, we talk about penalties, and when you're in the the fourth quarter trying to win a football game, and you're in a hostile environment like the like the Superdome, when you take that crowd out out of it, you, you can you can execute better, and you won't have those negative plays and those penalties that hurt you on drives. So that's what the Giants are going to have to do when they go into Dallas this week. You know, get up on top of this team if you can, and establish something that talk about establishing the run. Well, you when you're ahead, you want to run the football, um, and that's when time of possession comes into play. But um, the Giants just haven't been able to do that, and um, or they've been trying to defend what what uh, lead that they've had. Um, you know, and then they haven't been able to do that. They've been able to get big, give up big plays and big drives at the end of these games to lose Washington, um, and also the Atlanta game. So you just can't have that. You can't do that this week against Dallas. Well, and the other trend, and once again, something like this gets overshadowed because of the impressive rally for a victory. But this is now four straight games, guys, where the opposing team has put together a touchdown drive at the end of the first half. Because remember, the Saints put a touchdown on the board after the Giants, for the most part, kept them relatively quiet. And then Jameis hit Jawan Johnson, if you recall, for that touchdown. So, you know, that's another thing. If we're going to talk about momentum and you have a team that wins the coin toss defers, which the Saints did, so they were getting the ball pretty much at the end of the first half and then they got it back, remember, at the beginning of the second half, that means you double dip. You score mm-hmm. two touchdowns, all of a sudden, momentum Boom. swings just like that. Yeah. So, you know, that's another thing that you want to be able to do. Close out not just the game, but the first half on a strong note so that you now take the momentum back with you into the second half as opposed to vice versa. Yeah, Paul, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still trying to have – I'm trying to find out what, this, what the reason is that, these, that this team can't close out that first half. It's just like yeah. – and, and, and it comes down to execution and there's the, – just some big plays and guys kind of, I think it's mental mistakes they're making on the back end of the defense because these guys are open and making big plays. You know what I'm saying? Big chunks of yardage to be able to get down there and be able to have the opponent go in and score. 
Figs, what do you think? I, I've always been of the belief that the best case scenario to stop a two-minute drive is to be able to have that one absolutely dominant alpha pass rusher who says, I don't yeah. care about the double team. I'm getting in there and I'm making the play. Pressure. JPP did it. Michael Strahan did it. Tuck did it. OC did it. Before that, you know, you had Lawrence Taylor years ago do it. If you've got that dominant pass rusher who can beat a double team, he's that good that he can beat the double team, and when everybody in the stadium knows it, everybody watching TV knows it, everybody listening to their radios on Mars knows the other team is going to throw, and your pass rusher still gets home. That That is that guy. Now, it looked like it looked like Leonard Williams might be on the verge of being that guy last year. He was kind of creeping into that category, mm-hmm. but he didn't quite get there. And now this year, he certainly hasn't been there. Although, again, at the end of the game yesterday, he did make that that pressure. He didn't get the sack, but he had that huge uh, second down pressure, or that third down pressure, I should say, that wound up forcing uh, the Saints to get rid of the ball. I mean, that that to me is it, to be frank with you. I think that's the one missing ingredient because we talked last year about how the Giants were a borderline top 10 defense. They had, What were they, 12th in the league in sacks, Lance? I'll look up the numbers. I think they finished around that. Yeah. Right? It's, it's very respectable. It's like there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good number. But here's the problem. How many of those sacks came in the final two minutes of a half or in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter? And that's where, if you looked at the percentage of their sacks, and I did look at this, and I, I for some reason I don't have it with me now, the percentage of their sacks in particular in those situations was really warped on the downside. They were getting a ton of their sacks and many more of them in other situations. Um, uh, the ratio was clearly top-heavy out of those situations. And that goes to the scheme because that tells you that Patrick Graham was able to scheme sacks. Well, you can't scheme sacks in the final two minutes of a half or the final two minutes of a game. You need a guy who's simply going to beat the other team's brains out. He's going to go make the play. You can't scheme that so much. They had 40 sacks last season. They were tied for 12th, as you mentioned. And as far as your point about when they come, I think that's a very good point. And the one off the top of my head as I'm reviewing the breakdown of the sacks, I would say Jabal Sheard against Cincy. Remember, he gets the strip sack. That was late in the game. That helped seal a win. Outside of that, not a lot come to mind where it was in that crunch time type of moment. And And you need those. You need those game-changing type of plays. Which is a shame because we would like to be talking about more of those. But we have a hard time coming up with a few. So that's got to get better. All right, well, with that being said, the Giants get their first victory of the season, so it's certainly a big positive, and now they'll start turning their attention back to the division as they will visit the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. We'll have coverage for that game beginning tomorrow and then moving forward as that is going to wrap up things for us here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Gentlemen, enjoy the conversation as always. We'll speak to you later this week. Be good, guys. Good stuff, guys. Thank you. Absolutely. A reminder that today's version of Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcasts. For Jeff Fiegels and Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Stay locked to Giants.com. We'll speak to you on Tuesday. Have a good one.